Good morning, church. We're so grateful that you're joining us today as we try and continue to find ways to join together and worship our God and all he's done for us, even throughout this time of uncertainty and, and through this time of, of chaos in the world. We know that we have hope and we have peace in what Christ has done for us. So we, we rest in that. We're grateful that you're here with us today. And so we want to add a little bit to our sermon today. I'm going to give some announcements. We're going to have a couple of worship songs through video, a short little time of prayer, and then Pastor Matt's going to get into the sermon. So a couple of things I want to share with you. Remember, if there is anything that you need, if you go to our website, our website is BenishaFirstBaptist.com, and in the top right-hand corner, there's a link that says COVID-19. And if you click on that, it will take you to kind of the state of the church, the updates we're trying to send out, and also... If you have needs, there's a form for you to fill out so we can get you the things that you need, that we can get you connected with that. We want to be helpful in any way we can. So if you have any needs at all, please let us know. The next thing I want to remind you, we've sent out uh, a link for how to get on Zoom, which allows us to do live face-to-face -face chatting. There are many wonderful uses for this. Uh, some have already been implemented this past week. Your small group leaders have started working on getting Zoom, getting familiar with it so that they can still can continue to have small group with you. This past Thursday, our group met online through Zoom and it was wonderful just to see the familiar faces again, just to check in and see how everyone's doing. So I would encourage you to get on that, find the links for it, follow through with it. If you're not in a small group, please, please let us know if you wanna be in one, we'll get you connected. Even in, in this time, even virtual connection is better than no connection. We don't want people to feel isolated or to feel alone. And so we want to have that opportunity for you to get connected, even if it's virtual through a face-to-face -face chat through a small group. Also, this past Thursday and every Thursday moving forward, we will have a Zoom meeting for prayer time. It starts at 8 a.m. Pastor Matt will send out a link to everybody who is in our church email database. And so we'll spend time in prayer from about 8 to 8.30, maybe 8.45 every Thursday morning. This past week, we had 10 people join us, and it was just an amazing time, again, just to see faces and still just to go to God in prayer with the things that we are thinking, the things that we are concerned about, and to know that God is taking care of us. Youth group is still happening. Pastor Kyle is still rocking it. Uh, he's created a new Instagram for the youth. And also this past Thursday night for their youth time, the youth were able to meet and have conversation. Again, just through, through virtual online. It was a wonderful time and Pastor Kyle is continuing to crush that and we're grateful for what he is doing. So if you are a middle school or a high schooler or a parent of one of those, things are continuing to happen. Also, if you're parents of elementary or younger, I have sent out things to you about the lesson for each week and also for this week's email. I put a little video kind of to walk you through the lessons, kind of a, a bare bones, stripped down version of what the lesson would look like for a regular Sunday. But it is enough for you to be able to share the gospel with your children. And that's what we want to do. Please don't miss this time. You have a unique opportunity right now to be able to share the gospel with your children, with your grandchildren, with any kids that live with you. And we want to be able to do that because we believe that God wants us to start building a foundation of faith in their lives. And the Bible has called us as the caregivers of children to be the primary spiritual knowledge givers of our children. So we want you to be having those faith conversations with your kids. We want you to be sharing that with them. Don't miss this unique opportunity that you have. Again, we are grateful for you, church. So grateful. We are praying for you. We're praying with you. We're excited to see what God brings forth from this because we know that this is not something that has taken him by surprise. And we are grateful that he is sovereign. And we want to continue to give him glory for that.
So with that in mind, what's going to happen next is we're going to get into two lyric videos for two worship songs, just to kind of get us singing together, knowing that everyone that's watching this throughout our community will be singing praising God at the same time. So we're grateful for this time slot. We're grateful that we're able to sing, we're able to praise God together. So in your home, if you want to stand up and sing, if you want to sit on your couch and drink your coffee and sing, let's do that. But let's just give God all the praise and all the glory for everything that's going to happen. All right. Well, hey, good morning, church, and welcome. I'm so glad you are tuning in to our online service this Sunday morning and uh, welcome into my living room. As you know, we're doing some shelter in place stuff, so can't go in to the building. So here we are. Uh, thank you for tuning in from your living room, your couch, your bedroom, your kitchen, wherever you're watching this. I'm glad that you're with us and that we're able to worship together. I'm so grateful for technology, right, that allows us to do this, and even though we're apart, we can have this sense of, of unity, of joining in together. And I don't want to pretend, though, that, that this is the same thing or just as good as meeting in person. Right? Let's be honest. It's not. It's not the same. It's not just as good. It, it leaves us with, uh, hopefully, this longing, this sense to, uh, to be back together. And so I'm already looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to when we'll be in person, worshiping together, singing and giving hugs and high fives and uh, seeing each other face to face. I am really, really looking forward to that day. But I'm glad you have tuned in here because this is a necessity for the time being. You already saw some updates from Pastor Lee on what to expect over the next few weeks and some of the ways that we're trying to engage while we're apart and have to go online. And let me just say I'm already excited about some of the opportunities and the doors that this is opening up. It's been really fun already to connect with you online and via Zoom and our online prayer meeting and all kinds of different things already happening. It's been really fun to witness. So uh, thank you for joining in. There's been a lot of talk about uh, what we can't do right now, right? We can't leave the house. We can't do a whole lot. But it's fun to see what we can do, right? And focus on what we can be about right now. And that's connecting as a church online. So uh, what we're going to do here is jump into our sermon, the message from uh, the book of Galatians chapter 1. So I encourage you to grab a Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 1 with me. And we now are going to... Uh, Spend a brief time uh, before we jump into the text, just in prayer, where we can come before the Lord and uh, lift up all these different prayer requests that are on our hearts. And so what I'm going to do is uh, start our prayer time and then just leave a couple minutes of space where you can pray wherever you are. Uh, you can pray quietly to yourself or if you're with a couple people, your family, uh, you can pray out loud uh, together. So just let's take a couple minutes in prayer before the Lord. And I'll start us off here. Father, we thank you that you are sovereign and you are good and you are uh, ruling on your throne in the midst of this chaos and uh, uh, life-altering circumstances. God, we know that you are our rock, you are faithful, and you are with us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would hear our prayers as we, we lift up uh, to you our concerns about those who are sick, about uh, those who are in need right now, about those who are fearful. Lord, would you hear our prayers 
Would you comfort us in Jesus' name? Amen. Jesus, we love you. Amen. All right, friends. Well, hey, uh, you've turned to Galatians 1 with me. And again, after a, a change of plans last week, and on Sunday we took a pause from launching into our new sermon series so we could talk about what's going on. Uh, we're going to be back on track now, jumping into the book of Galatians and just walking through it little by Little. Uh, this morning we're just looking at verses 1 through 5, kind of an introduction to the letter, uh, a greeting that we see Paul gives to those that he is writing to. And we know that greetings are important, right? How you start a conversation matters. If you're scrolling on social media and someone's post initially doesn't quite grip you or seem interesting, you'll just keep on scrolling. Or if that book you're watching or the, excuse me, book you're reading or the movie that you're watching doesn't hook you in and draw you in initially, you might 
stop watching or tune out. Or if that sermon that you're listening to isn't very engaging or doesn't feel super relevant right away, maybe you'd be tempted to tune out. See, greetings matter. Beginnings matter. How our conversations start matters. It's really important. And so sometimes we uh, overlook introductions. Or when we're reading through the Bible, we see these greetings at the beginning of some of these New Testament letters. And we're like, oh, let's just breeze right past that and get into the meat of the letter. But there's actually a lot for us here. And so we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul begins his letter to the Galatians. And we're going to see what it has for us this morning. So Galatians chapter 1 verse 1 says this, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So as we begin, we're introduced to the main figures in the letter. We have Paul the Apostle, we have the churches in Galatia. Now Paul is likely a name that you've heard before. Uh, next to Jesus, he's probably the most significant figure in the history of the church, especially the early church. Uh, of the 27 books in the New Testament, Paul wrote nearly half. So 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament are letters from the Apostle Paul. He, he went around spreading the gospel throughout the ancient world, uh, planting churches in city after city, sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, Paul originally, you may have heard, was a, uh, a devout Jew who persecuted Christians. He persecuted the early church. He was hunting them down. And then to everyone's surprise, he had this uh, pretty powerful, radical encounter with the risen Jesus. And it changed his life and the trajectory of his life forever. And so it's this Paul, this Galatians, is one of his letters. Now you notice in verse 1 he identifies himself how? As an apostle, which wasn't just some cool word or title that Paul made up. You know, like he went to Jesus and said, hey, I'll do this work for you, but can I have a cool title? Like, call me an apostle. Like, I'll get a sweatshirt or a little name badge that says apostle. People will love that. It'll sound really important. Now, apostle in the Greek is a word that means one who is sent, a sent one, one who is commissioned or sent out from someone else. And so they carry with themselves some level of authority from another. And so he's sent out, he's an apostle, but he's sent by Jesus. Right? Do you notice that qualifier in the text in verse 1? He says he's not sent out by men. He's not just commissioned by a man or by humans, but he's sent by Jesus who has been raised from the dead. And if you go and look in Acts chapter 9, you can read about the conversion of Paul, where he encounters Jesus in a dramatic, miraculous way. The risen Jesus shows up to him and calls him to ministry and sends him out to be uh, a minister of the gospel. And so Paul is an apostle. His ministry had this unique authority as one sent by Jesus. And the same is true, then, of the letters of Paul. So as we read the book of Galatians and the other 
New Testament letters, we should realize that like Paul's ministry and church planting, so his writings, his letters carry this unique divine authority. These letters are, like the rest of Scripture, from God, commissioned, sent by God with his authority. They are not just the words of human beings. They're not just the words of men. And so when we read Galatians, or the New Testament scriptures, again, we're not just reading humans trying to make sense of God, or just Paul's own interpretation of who Jesus is, or what God is like. We believe these are the very words of God. We talk about the uh, doctrine of inspiration, the inspiration of scripture. Scripture is inspired, it's uh, breathed out by God, as 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us. And so as we approach Paul's letter, we should realize that he has this unique authority as an apostle sent by Jesus. Now, let's be honest, you might question that fact or doubt that reality. Maybe you're listening and you say, well, that's very strange. Actually, I think the Bible is just a human book. It's humans trying to make sense of God. No doubt many people uh, believe that today. And I, I'm not going to be able to convince you otherwise in just a few short moments here this morning. But what I do want to do is invite you to explore the Bible for yourself. I want to invite you to, to do kind of the heavy lifting and some of the hard work of, of engaging in the Bible on your own and reading it for yourself and also reading about the Bible. There are some incredible resources available today to help us understand uh, the Bible and its reliability historically. Some great scholarly work. Uh, one such resource is called The Historical Reliability of the New Testament by Craig Blomberg, one of the top New Testament scholars in the world. And this book is a, a super helpful resource to help us see that the New Testament is reliable. It wasn't just made up or fabricated or some fairy tale myth, but it's rooted in history. And so if you're uh, skeptical about these claims that Paul or that uh, the letters of the New Testament are, are actually from God, I want to invite you again to, to lean into that, to, to study that for yourself. There's a lot of claims about the Bible thrown around on the internet, skeptics who will throw doubt on whether it's reliable, uh, uh, but if we do our homework, there is great reason to believe that it is trustworthy, that it is accurate historically. So I want to invite you to look into that if you have those doubts yourself. Because, let's be honest, this is a big deal. If Paul is right here, and his letter and his ministry is commissioned by Jesus, by the living God speaking to us, if that's true, then, then we need to respond, and we need to listen, and we need to obey. But if Paul's wrong, then we can just take it or leave it. If this is just the words of Paul, if this is just human wisdom, then take it or leave it. It's on par with anything else that we could read out there. So we have to decide which it is. But I, again, would affirm with what Paul's saying here, that this letter carries with it a unique authority from the Lord Jesus. But notice what verse 2 says. The letter is not just from Paul. Right? Look at verse 2. What does he say? He says, And all the brothers and sisters with me. So we don't know exactly 
where Paul is writing from or who these brothers and sisters are exactly, but he makes it clear that he's not writing this letter alone. It doesn't just come from him, but it comes from the community of Christians together. And that's special. You see right away this kind of family feel, this family language that's used in the letter. Verse 1 talks about what? God as our Father. And now verse 2, it talks about our brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Christians uh, being seen as brothers and sisters. Now throughout the Bible, we'll see different images or metaphors used to describe the church. And one of them is that of a family, that those who follow Jesus become a part of the family of God. We belong to him, and now we have this new family that we belong to through faith in Jesus. There's this instant bond, or this unity that we now have as Christians because of our faith in Christ. And that's a powerful thing, that we are not just acquaintances or strangers, but in Christ we become family. This is especially important right now, as what we're, we're separated, we're scattered, we're on lockdown, we can barely leave the house, we're not seeing, seeing each other face to face, we're lonely. It, it reminds us how special that family reality is. That we're brothers and sisters, that we need to reach out to one another, support one another in hard times, be there for one another. And let me just say, I've already seen you, church, I've already seen you do an incredible job of reaching out to one another, of staying connected, of loving one another in difficult times. That's what families do. And I've seen you. Again, so, some of you uh, might not see the full picture, but, but let me just say, as a pastor, I, I have the privilege of hearing stories after stories and seeing a lot of the different moving parts in our church of how small groups are connecting over Zoom how we're having prayer meetings, how we're having online interaction times, how many of you are calling one another and texting one another and reaching out to people, especially uh, asking about, hey, those who are older, those who uh, aren't as uh, savvy with technology, are we making sure they're cared for? Are we talking with them? You guys are so deeply loving one another and caring for one another. It's been special, special to see. You're, you're living out this family reality. And I just want to encourage you to keep that up. Keep that up. Now, it's important in the context of the letter that Paul uses this family language, because as we're going to see, things are going to get pretty heavy pretty quick. There's some rebukes coming, some corrections, some hard words he's going to have for the churches in Galatia. And so he reminds them up front that this is not just Paul concerned about this. It's not just me writing to you, some random person who's concerned. It's the community of faith. Our whole church community has noticed these concerns. And churches in Galatia, we want to bring these concerns up to you, that you would see the truth and respond. See, if just one person confronts you about something, it's maybe a little easy to write that person off. Right? Say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. But if you hear the same thing from multiple people, or if a group of people, a community confronts you, an intervention of sorts, if they confront you about something, it carries a lot more weight. It's going to be a lot easier, or excuse me, more difficult to write that off. 
And so Paul, right off the bat, said, Hey, Paul and all the brothers and sisters, we are concerned about you, churches in Galatia. We want to talk with you about this. Because family, if we're family, we don't just let one another stray and self-destruct, right? Family shows up. Family in love confronts one another, addresses sin, addresses problems, addresses concerns. We talk to one another. That's what family does. Because family can talk to family in a way that, that strangers can't, right? Family can speak into your life in a way that just acquaintances can't. So Paul reminds them we are family. So Paul, an apostle, sent not by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father and all the brothers and sisters to the churches in Galatia. Now, again, Galatia isn't a city. Some of Paul's letters are written to particular churches in particular cities, but Galatia is a, a larger region in the ancient world. And actually, we can see here on a map, we're going to throw up on the screen, uh, this kind of highlighted section there is the region of Galatia. And actually, if you tilt your head to the left, it looks like kind of a cute little bunny. Uh, when I drew that, I didn't plan for it to look like a bunny, but there you go. It looks like a cute little uh, bunny. But Paul visited this region and planted churches on his first missionary journey, which was sometime in the 40s, and there's good reason to believe then that this letter was written to those churches in the late 40s, or some would say the early 50s AD. Uh, so if not the earliest, this is one of the earliest letters from Paul that we have, which makes it uh, probably the earliest New Testament document that we have, or right up there as one of the earliest. Now, we'll see as we go along that the churches in Galatia have some problems. They have started to embrace a message that is actually contrary to the gospel message. Various uh, false teachers and people have come in and are leading others astray with what could be described as a, a Jesus plus gospel. Jesus Plus, So people are saying, essentially, well, sure, being a Christian means putting your faith in Jesus and trusting in his finished work and also the works of the law. And so, yes, of course, trust Jesus. But as these non-Jewish people were converting to Christianity, were starting to follow Jesus, they would say, well, you also need to be circumcised, and you also have to add the marks of Judaism to your life. And so the shift was subtle. Realize that these teachers in Galatia were not saying, hey, Jesus isn't important anymore. They were saying, well, yes, of course Jesus is important. Of course Jesus is the Messiah. Of course we need to focus on Jesus, but also, plus the, the works of the law, X, Y, Z. And so do you see how subtle that shift is? How, how that's different? And in various ways, friends, we do the same thing today. We embrace a Jesus plus gospel. We say Jesus, yes, of course, plus works. Or Jesus plus, you know, good behavior, and that's what gets you saved. Or, or Jesus plus uh, certain benchmarks of obedience or giving or a certain percentage of uh, attendance throughout the year. Or Jesus plus voting a certain way or supporting a certain cause or political party. We say Jesus 
plus. That's what gets you in to the kingdom. It's subtle. And for us at FBC, it's not likely that we're going to come right out and say, well, Jesus isn't important, or I'm going to deny the, the doctrine of justification by faith. We're not going to come outright and say that. It's going to be a subtle shift in our minds or in our hearts. But we say, well, yes, of course, Jesus. But, but also X, Y, and Z. But what Paul is going to show us is that we have to be careful with that because a Jesus plus gospel is really no gospel at all. And when we try to add to the work of Jesus as a requirement for salvation, we completely ruin the gospel. We subvert the gospel. We reverse the gospel. It's like when people add uh, strange stuff to food. Have you seen some of these trends going around about people adding strange things to food? I saw online about people who eat cereal with ice cubes in it. I know. They eat cereal with ice cubes. There are people who eat cereal and they add orange juice to their cereal. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or people will take a perfectly good artichoke. Okay, artichoke, which is supposed to be eaten just with some butter, and there are monsters out there who put mayonnaise on their artichokes. Okay, and maybe some of you listening are some of those monsters who put, you add mayonnaise to a perfectly good artichoke, and it, it ruins the whole thing. I don't understand it at all, and if you, maybe some of you are chatting, typing away right now about if you're one of those artichoke people with mayonnaise, but you take something perfectly good, and, and you try to add to it, and it just ruins it. Some people actually have heard put ketchup on bananas. You take a perfectly good banana and you try to add ketchup to it. What does it do? It just, it just ruins it. It's very strange. I'm not making these things up, by the way. You can go and Google these. Not making it up. People actually do this, but you, you get the point. You can take something perfectly good and sometimes when you try to add to it, it actually ruins what was there. And so the gospel, in an infinitely more serious way, will be ruined if we try to add something, add requirements to it. A Jesus plus anything gospel is truly no gospel at all, which is why this sermon series through the book of Galatians we've called Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. That's the heart of the message. And so Paul is writing to his audience to remind them of the gospel and apply the gospel to their hearts. Now notice this one detail that could be easy to overlook. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to churches in Galatia. He's writing to Christians. And so he's telling Christians about the gospel, that they need the gospel too. See, think about it. Sometimes what we think or what we say is, well, the gospel message is really for non-Christians, right? The gospel is something that we tell non-Christians in order for non-Christians to become Christians, for them to put their faith in Jesus and find salvation and eternal life and forgiveness of sins in Him. Now, that's true. That's true. But also we see here that the gospel is something that Christians continue to return to, and we over and over again, as Christians, embrace the gospel, remember the gospel, apply the gospel to our hearts, drive the truths of the gospel deep down into our hearts. And so it's not as if, well, the gospel is for non-Christians, and then once we're Christians, uh, we kind of graduate to some more important, some, some deeper study that's uh, more significant for us. No, we 
continue to live out and embrace the gospel. It's not just the ABCs, it's the A to Z of the Christian life, some have said. And so, friends, I want us to remember that if even we've been in the church for years and years, we've been Christians for years and years, we too need to be reminded of the gospel. We too need to learn to apply the gospel to our hearts to be shaped by it. One pastor said that the same gospel that saves the lost edifies the found. And so we will continue to focus on that same gospel and preach that same gospel, the good news of Jesus. So Paul, an apostle sent by Jesus with his brothers and sisters to the churches in Galatia, and then his greeting, verse 3, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so he starts, as many of his letters do, with the words, grace and peace. Grace, this word that means unmerited favor from God. It reminds us of God's love for us, shown in the gift of salvation. That we did not earn, we did not work for, we did not deserve, but simply God's grace to us. Grace and peace. Peace. Romans 5 says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have reconciliation with God, restored relationship with God, wholeness with God. Now realize that there was a time where we were dead in our sins, where we were rebelling against God. We were running away from God. There was not peace between us and God. But now in Jesus Christ we have peace. The hostility has been taken away. No longer are we rebels. No longer is there enmity and wrath upon us because of our sin. But now there's restored relationship. Unity with God our Father. All through the work of Jesus. And this is big because we know, we know what it feels like when there's a lack of peace in our relationships. Maybe in your home, with your spouse, with your kids, with friends, with co-workers. When there's a present animosity. When there's tension. When things are not as they should be. We know how that just sits with us. It's like a pit in our stomach. How much more then of a problem is a lack of peace with God? So this reminds us, grace and peace from God because of the work of Jesus. And Paul adds this description, you notice in the text of why we have peace. He says, because of Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God. So we have grace and peace because Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. This is the language of substitution. This is the language of of the work of the cross, when we think about what happened on the cross, what is the doctrine of the atonement? What did Jesus accomplish for us? Well, as our substitute, he died in our place. He took upon himself all the consequences of sin, the punishment for sin, the wrath of God for sin, so that sinners like you and like me could be forgiven. So because Jesus died in our place, he's brought us peace. And he's rescued us 
it says. Notice, primarily in Paul's mind, Jesus is a sacrificial savior, a, a rescuer. Which makes us consider, and who, who is Jesus to you? Because for many of us, we think about Jesus and we say, well, he was a great teacher, he had some wonderful things to say. Or he's very wise, very intriguing figure from the ancient world, or maybe even a, an incredible example to follow. But, but here we see that he's all those things, yes, but he's also a rescuer. He's a savior who came to rescue those who trust in him. It's a reminder of our own need that, that you and I need to be rescued from our sin, from judgment that's coming. And God provides a way for us to be rescued through the work of Jesus Christ and faith in him. So I invite you again, if you're here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to consider that, that he came to rescue you, he came to rescue me, to forgive us and restore us to relationship with God. So we see in this text, Paul has a unique authority and Paul has a unique message, the message of the gospel, salvation through faith in Jesus and him alone. Now, the last thing I want to point us to is the hope that we have in Christ. Right? You notice in the text it says what that we are rescued from this present evil age. This present age that is marked by sin and death. We've been rescued from it and have been pointed forward to the hope of eternal life, God's kingdom, living in the age to come. See, Scripture points us forward to this this new era of history that is breaking into this current world. And the resurrection of Jesus was the inauguration of this new era, this new age marked by life and healing and peace forever. And so, through Jesus and faith in him, we can be rescued from this present age marked by sin and death and brought into his kingdom, given the hope of eternal life. And again, friends, that is good news. If you're scared right now, if you're afraid right now because of everything that's going on in the world, because of the coronavirus, because of all of its implications, this verse reminds us that we have an eternal hope. We, through the work of Jesus, have been brought into his kingdom and rescued from this present age, which is crumbling and will fade away, into this, this new era of life and history that will extend forever with God and with his people. And friends, that is good news for us today. I can't remember who said it exactly, but someone once said that we often think we're in the land of the living on the way to the land of the dead, but because of Jesus, it's actually the reverse. We're in the land of the dead on our way to the land of the living. We've been rescued from sin and death and brought into the kingdom of life in Jesus. And this gives us great hope and confidence no matter what we are facing. And so friends, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer as we close? God, there's so much here in these first few verses of Galatians. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for speaking into our world, Lord, for revealing yourself to us through the scriptures, through 
the apostles through your, your servants throughout the ages who have, uh, you've used to show us who you are. Lord, help us uh, receive your word uh, as it is, as uh, the truth about you. And help us, Jesus, respond to you in faith. And not try to make any sort of Jesus plus gospel, but say simply, Jesus and him alone. He has saved us. He has rescued us. God, we praise you for that fact. And I pray now you give us confidence as we step out into our, our day and into our week. Uh, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty about our future, Lord. But we know uh, that our security in you, Jesus, is not shaken. Pray you give us peace in that. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, friends. Hey, it's been a joy to, to be here with you. Thanks again for tuning in, for joining me in my living room. Uh, last reminder, hey, on the top right of your screen, you should see a little link to uh, giving. If you wanted to jump to online giving, uh, there's a way to do that for you. It's really easy to set up. So I wanted to put that before you again as just an opportunity to worship God through giving. That link is there. Uh, otherwise, friends, uh, we will see you again soon. Keep uh, checking your Facebook, your email, your social media pages for uh, different opportunities and ways to connect coming up. All right? Love you, and uh, we'll see you soon.